PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 373 of Cinema Crespediso. Yeah, yeah. Let me check the volume first for if I that by. It's acceptable. All right. All right, guys. What is up? It is March 2020, which means, of course, beware the 11th. Because that's the day. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. True Chicago. Uh, how you doing? Doing. Did you have a how's your pizza yesterday? It was delicious. You had some good pizzas. Yeah. You had a Peter. I had some Crespo in my mouth and I had some Peter in you my mouth. Some Crespo. You had some Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was at the PFT party pop up podcast. PFT pizza party. It's not peace. It was a PCAST extravaganza. That's a different show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Completely different show. Ah, that's good stuff. Oh, we had a good time. Recess Pizza was there. The boys from Orlando Meats, who also do pizza pop-up, uh, they they were slinging the pies. Eight bucks each. It was delicious. Well, money well spent. I really enjoyed it. Also got me one of those uh, cin- Cinnabonception cookies. It was just a yeah. thick ass. Yeah. Sugary, cinnamony. Mess. Woo! Mm-hmm. I, I got through about half of it. Before wow. I had to stop. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Will's Pub was uh, providing drinks. We appreciate that. It was a good time. Thanks to the comics who came out. Thanks to the people who came out. Uh, a handful of people. That's cool. Uh, Drew. Chris. We saw well, we saw a movie. We did. And then I saw a movie. Yes. And then there were things that we watched at home. I mean, I would assume so. And then there's emails and stuff. Is there? There are. One or two. That's, I mean, that's more than last week. It is. Plus a comment or two in our comment thread. Cool. Plus, uh, as well as movie news. Minus. Minus Jeff Goldblum game. Because ah. we don't have a guest. Uh. We haven't had a guest in a while. Uh, I'm tired of booking guests. Guests are annoying. We're never going to get to the end of that game. No, it's going to be fun. How it'll, It's going to be the, a year long. Like The game will extend beyond 36. us. 36. Link chain mm. that to somehow eventually maybe get to Jeff Goldblum. That should have ended a long time ago. We'll get back to Jackie Chan before we ever get to Jeff <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. Right this time. We're, We're awful at Rush Hour 3. Awful at this game. So, right, Jackie Chan. Um, so that's that's what's on the menu for today's show, guys. So here you go. Take this. It's the Shield of Embattlement, and it'll protect you as we wade through. The media gauntlet that is the last few days, I guess. I know. <laughs> not really much of a gauntlet. Kind of a couple days of watching some days movies of and stuff. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not too, not too imposing. Let's see. Let me tell you first about the lodge. I, mean, I can tell you, Chris, that it was in 395 theaters. No, that's not too many. It made 256 thousand dollars this week. 256 thousand dollars for a grand total of loading. 
$2.14 million total. Not bad. Not bad it's, for a signed little movie. It's, uh, it's sitting certified fresh, 73%. 73%. What's the average rating, though? Like 6.5? out of 10. All critics, 7.3. Top critics, 7, 6.8. <laughs> Top critics were down 6.8. Yes. Um, this is a very well-made, atmospheric horror film. From I believe from the makers of Good Night's Mommy, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. Good Night Mommy is a very well made atmospheric horror film. When it was all said and done, I was like, yeah, it was alright. Mm-hmm. Good premise, pretty well done. Yeah, it was okay. This one premise is eh, not as strong, but it's still uh, <clears throat> well acted. Well, the atmosphere is good. It's a uh, thick with tension, and it's about a. Um, there's uh, two kids. One of them, I think, is from It. Okay. It, it Chapter 2, the new, the new mm-hmm. It. He's one of the kids. Uh, one of the lead kids. And he and his sister, their mom is dead, uh, which happens early on in the movie. And their parents are getting a divorce anyway. And Dan has a new girlfriend, this lady, Grace. And they're doing a whole family Christmas thing where they're getting together. And Dad is trying to get Grace and the kids to like, like each other. Trying to get the kids to mm-hmm. like Grace. And uh, and then he takes them to this lodge, this this family lodge they have out in the wilderness, and it's snowy like crazy. And then he's like, "I got to go back to work to the city for a few days, but I'll be back in like two days." And then, uh, you know, Christmas. Mm-hmm. So the movie is about the kids and this girl. Uh, she is. This is all revealed in the beginning of the movie. She is a uh, cult survivor. Okay. Uh, with extreme PTSD from said cult, mm-hmm. and she's just trying to live a normal life. But uh, also, apparently, she may be like maybe sleepwalking or something. Where she, okay. the problems with the cult are manifesting. Yeah. And uh, and then being with the kids, uh, something starts um, happening. Yeah, like uh, triggers, I guess, or whatever. And you know, trying not to at this point trying to stay out of spoilers. I haven't seen the trailer. I no, I haven't seen the trailer for this movie. I haven't seen the trailer. I didn't look it up. Uh, just. Just going from what I saw in the that was pretty well reviewed, decently reviewed. Again, the Good Night Mommy connection, and, uh, and I'm conserving the mood for a horror film, atmospheric horror film. Uh, based on those things, I went and saw it. And you know, now that I've seen it, eh, <laughs> eh, that's what I figured. That's why, that's why I didn't join you. Could have, could have saved, could have saved the time. I guess no. could have saved my time. It, it's fine. It's um. What it does have going for it is the atmosphere and all of that, and the mood and the tension of it. But then the nuts and bolts of it, it you know what? Because there's a weird connection that, that the movie is very much about grief and like the broken a broken family, death of uh, loved ones, and dealing with that stuff in direct aftermath. And there's also a motif of a like a replica scale like a kid scale replica of the of the lodge mm-hmm. that they then like little toys in there that they little figures that they move around and then represent Things happen. what happened later mm-hmm. uh and it just has like a weird like oh yeah we saw hereditary we get it we can do a you know it felt, felt like they're trying to do that type of thing okay uh almost directly so it's like fun like real magic like not even those the, the, there's real no real connection in the end to to the to what's happening in the in the toy lodge and it, it's it just feels like a, a pale imitation okay of of something done better already okay. uh that's a shame the beginning of the movie is a bummer 
You know how like Midsummer starts out like a bummer, mm-hmm. and then it builds on that, and it goes places. This one starts out as a bummer, and then it seems to start building, but then it's like actually no, this movie's just a bummer. Well, it yeah. kind of is a. And then when it ends, it's like it's a bummer. Oh, yeah, this is a bummer. This is a tough. This is a tough one to swallow when it's all said <laughs> and done. I don't know if I really enjoyed. It. It's a uh, very much into um, like religious stuff, a lot of religious imagery, a okay. lot of people praying and people talking like repent and your sins and and for a minute for a little bit it actually looks like this movie went to a weird place where i'm surprised it's going here and this is gonna be a really weird interesting ride and then it turns out no it's not what it is oh. and uh, it's like oh. oh lame yeah it's just yeah it's just so uh, yeah exactly that's what i'm saying did, uh, what were we talking about, Benjamin Franklin? So uh, I would, but despite the pretty well reviews out there and the decent scores on the on the internet and whatnot, I'm I'm not in that camp. I got like while it's well made, I don't know if it really has that much to say, or if it does have something to say, I don't know if I understood it. Mm. I don't know if I got what you're trying to say. Um, Maybe he's just not as good, Chris. I'm trying to think of how you'd sum it up. Like, be nice to cult survivors. I don't know what you got. Oh, yeah. I, I, give him a shot. I mean, I mean, I thought that was uh, duh. Like, be nice if, to people. If, if they didn't drink the Kool Aid and go on that trip, then <sighs> mm. Kool Aid. I go for some Kool Aid. When was the last time I had Kool Aid? Poison Kool Aid. Very long time. Poison Kool Aid. I haven't had poison Kool Aid ever. I haven't had Kool. I mean, Kool Aid itself already is it's poison. poison. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pure. Sugar. Mm-hmm. Is it pure sugar? Well, there's some artificial flavoring and some Hell food coloring yeah. in there, too. Yeah, baby. Let's make it more artificial. That actually makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want the red stuff. I want, I want my mouth stained red for hours like a child. Artificial food coloring. Red mouth. Uh, uh, N- not to be confused with wino mouth. Orange fingers. Wino mouth? Wino mouth. Same thing. Purple stains, like purple teeth and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, okay, sure. I don't think I've ever had enough so much wine. Or maybe I just haven't, not in front of someone else. I've had so much wine that, like, man, your teeth are just maroon. I remember we had a uh, we had a splooge party at Bill's house once. Splooge party! You remember those? Splooge party, <laughs> son! Yeah, let's hear it for the splooge parties, ladies and gentlemen. It is exactly what, what it, it sounds, sounds like. like. Splooge. Uh, John Phillips was uh, going... St- scooping up all the alcoholic sugar at the bottom of yeah, the thing the, the and grand, yeah, his, the, the tips of his fingers and his mouth were soaked red the next day it was hilarious <laughs> right or blue no it was blue i forget what color it, it was, was blue it was silly <laughs> the whole point of splooge was that it was a uh, blue raspberry flavor because we did a, a long night of taste testing yeah. of different recipes that resulted in uh uh Vomitus comatus <laughs> of of Chinese food dinner off a third story balcony <laughs> in old College Station. I don't, think, I don't think it's called College Station anymore. Who knows Probably what it's not. called? Now? It's like on Science Drive, the luxury apartments of UCF. At Science, they change the names every five six years. I mean, that's the point. Right? It's always the same shitty place. Yeah, that, that guaranteed somewhere in in that in the building you're in. Maybe not your apartment, but in the building you're in, someone at least at some point. OD'd. Not died. More than likely, yeah. But OD'd. <laughs> Def- have you rushed definitely. For sure. Definitely happened. It's happened there. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. The Lodge. Yeah, The Lodge. It is whatever. 
So be it. I'd rather, I'd rather go through another splooge party taste testing. Uh, because at least it's fun. <laughs> at least it's fun till you get to the end. Yeah. When he gets that ripe blue raspberry flavor. <laughs> like, oh, this is that razzmatazz. <laughs> We're trying to get that razzmatazz. There was like a party going on downstairs. We would fill up cups and take it downstairs. But like, hey, you guys tried to like, <laughs> And I'm like, this tastes like that like blue. I'm like, yeah, we got it, baby. We did it. This is splooge. Yeah, and then like an hour later, wasted. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. It was like time relief alcohol. It was so strange. They Chris. stopped making um, uh, one fifty one. They stopped making probably it. a good thing. Probably a good thing. Shout out to the Splooge Army, Splooge Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Splooge in your ears. Blah. Man, the only thing I, I remember that the parties happened. I don't have any recollection of what actually happened at the parties, though. I mean, I can't remember most of those parties. Yeah. We're, we're, we are talking early 2000s. 18 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a long time. Killed a lot of brain cells. Oh, my God. Brain cells. That's the, that's the only, that's the least things that we killed. <laughs> Drew, we promised that we would stop speaking about that. We would stop talking about. Why'd you bring up kill? Why'd you bring up splooge and kill in the same sentence? You're the one who started See, you're mouthing the one, off. You're the one who's all like, I forgot. I don't know. Yeah, kill. Drew! I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work up these buttons. We need some new buttons up in here. Um, so the lodges, whatever. Here we go. Let's talk about the Invisible Men. The Invisible Men made, made, made a bunch of money. This How much did the Invisible Men make? Forty uh, million, forty-five million. Twenty-nine domestic. Thirty million. Okay. Twenty international. Forty-nine total. Forty-nine total worldwide so far. Opening weekend, pretty good for an R-rated horror film. Universal horror film. Uh. The uh, Visible Man joined. It's like the Mummy, and they, you know, they did that before, and mm -hmm. they're trying to do Brighter Frankenstein. They have all these characters, and sometimes they go traditional, and sometimes they uh, try something new. Here's one of them cases of them trying something new. Yeah, I mean, they just updated it, like in, <coughs> you know, it's uh, they brought the Invisible Man into the 21st century. It's a 21st century Invisible Man sci-fi-ish horror-ish uh, psychological thriller. Yeah. Elizabeth Moss. Uh, great in the in the lead role mm -hmm. here as the uh, the Invisible Man's uh torment T Tor the tormented she's the tormented he's the tormentor so she's the tormentee um so he's he being Adrian the asshole boyfriend husband I guess they're just they're not ah, really, they never actually covered that part no, did they no. uh, I'm just not like. They ever like zoomed in on a ring or anything? That's true, yeah. But and, and in the, with this type of movie, like they definitely would have done that. Uh, yes, yeah, they would have for sure. Because this is a type of movie where it's like they pay attention to the details. Yeah. Because they're going to use everything. Yes. Everything gets used. Mm -hmm. uh, little words and dialogue. A little. Uh, it's a, a much like in the Hunt for Red October. Okay. Early on, in the beginning of the movie, they show like just a random shot of a cook. In a kitchen with a knife, and he's cutting, and the camera lingers on for a second. It's like, who's this guy? Well, he shows up at the very end. He's gonna do something later. <laughs> it's very important. Keep your eye on this dude. It happens. Uh, so this is that type of movie where something gets introduced, uh, it's gonna get used yeah. in the end. And I don't know. I thought it was pretty smart in how certain things do get introduced, mm -hmm. kind of early on. Hopefully, early on enough that you forget about them. And then when it comes up again later, you're like, oh, yeah. And, and it's supposed to be satisfying. I don't know. Drew, up to you. It's your personal feelings when the movie was over. Did you feel like that was a satisfying version of this type of uh, story? 
I mean, it was good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Same writer director of Upgrade. Mm, he did a better job with Upgrade. He liked Upgrade more. Yeah. Uh, both movies have a similar thing. I feel like where kind of similar to the Lodge. They uh, they start out uh, like a slow burn sort mm-hmm. of, but on the depressing side of yes. slow burn. Upgrade especially. It was like yeah. the first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the first ten minutes yeah. is a bummer. It was yeah. a stone cold bummer. Uh, this one. A banger of an opening scene. Remember the opening mm-hmm. scene in Invisible Man? Very good. I don't want to say what it is. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the opening scene, I'll let people kind of find out for themselves. The banger of an opening scene. But then it, after that point, it takes its time for the next 20, 30 minutes. I feel like you could... This movie's over two hours long. There's at least 10 minutes you could have cut out of the sequence where we're waiting for the Invisible Man to start doing his thing. Start being his invisible self. Start being his the invisible tormentor. You know, there's a lot of uh, building up to that. And I, I, on one hand, I appreciate, you know what I mean? I appreciate mm-hmm. the work. I appreciate the character work. But then it's like, oh, come on. Can we can we just get to it already? Plus, can we get there already? Plus, we saw, I saw, remember the trailer? Mm-hmm. Bad trailer. Terrible trailer. Gives away. All of it. 80% of this movie. Mm-hmm. Solid 80%. Uh, definitely too much. Oh, yeah. Definitely too much. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was happy that the movie does have a, I guess you can say a fourth act. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there there is some stuff that it keeps going. Like, oh, okay, there is a more of an end game. It's got a couple secrets, and it does have a outcome that's building to. And that stuff is, you know, it's not in the trailer, but they still give away so much, man. Yeah, I mean, like most of the, like. What's what would have been shocking to see for the first time? It's like, hey, it's the shot from the trailer, so we're at this part of the movie now. Yes, exactly. There are things I was like, oh, this is where this is gonna happen. Yeah. Like I would be like, oh shit, I can't believe she's doing this. But I was like, I know why she's doing this because it's gonna lead to this moment. And then like seconds later, that moment happens. I'm like, that goddamn trailer. Yeah. That goddamn trailer mm-hmm. it wasn't a good trailer. The movie itself, though, I think is pretty good. I I liked it. I, I not as much as upgrade but uh i think i'd be more likely to revisit it though because like i said upgrade is a bummer mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. upgrade's a bummer of a movie it's a as fun parts and i like not tom hardy uh as not venom all that stuff was a lot of fun but uh i feel no need to like, revisit it if invisible man was on like fx like, if I was just scrolling through TV, that type of thing, if I saw it was on, especially if, like, the first 15 minutes already passed, uh, and we're getting ready to get to some of the good stuff, I'd leave it on. I wouldn't. You wouldn't? No. You'd pass it on by, nah. like, once is enough? Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. There you go. Anything you change about it to make it better? I mean, I'm sure many things could have been done to make the movie better. What I'm but... saying, though, why is it? Why? How come it's not making you be like, oh, man, that was a lot. Of, was it? Well, I mean, because it's kind of a one-trick pony. Like, w- yeah. once once the movie's done, like, there's not much suspense in re-watching a thriller. Mm-hmm. You know you're, you know what's going to happen. It's not like the movie's so awesome that it's, you know, it's going to, like, drink, you know, bring you back into the story mm-hmm. and care about these characters again. Counterpoint and... movies like the game. It's a thriller. It's a puzzle thriller. Oh, but it gets me every time. I get, but then it gets you every time. So there is then something missing for you in The Invisible Man. There is something missing yeah. in in that regards where, yeah, after seeing it at once, like, oh, yeah, I get it. That's fun. Do I need to receive it? No, I don't need to receive it. Yeah. When the game is over, it's like, oh, shit, I kind of want to rewatch that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got drugged and left for dead in Mexico, and all I got was this shitty T-shirt. It's a big shirt. They made, it really, they made it really big to fit that whole... 
It's all paragraphs worth. It's a little longer than the typical. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I really like Elizabeth Moss. And I mean, she, yeah, she's a fantastic actress. She's very good. I, uh, another problem that I had with the movie is that because I know how movies are made. Yes. Like all I could think of is just people in green, full body <laughs> green suits running around that set. Doing the doing, uh, the Invisible Man d- effects. Doing silly stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funness of like, you know. Yeah. There were parts where it was like, I can see the, the digital seam, so to speak mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I would say it's a better Invisible Man movie than John Carpenter's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's a weird one. With Chevy Chase no. and Daryl Hannah. No. And Sam Neill. What? Watch it. And then Marvel, I like, what is, <laughs> what is this thing? And that one, Chevy Chase goes to some sort of, he's in some building for some sort of meeting, and there's like a lab in that building, and uh, he has a hangover, so he finds a place to take a nap. And while he's sleeping, and there's an accident, and the whole building, people, everyone runs out, but he's stuck in the building. He's left and they're just sleeping. The whole building becomes uh, invisible. And so does he. And then so does he. And then Sam Neill's part of like, the government, whoever shows up to uh, to clean the place up. And then they find out that, they, oh, shit, there's someone here. And uh, so they try to capture him so they can take him, cut him open, do a bunch of science shit. So that's him running around, uh, being all invisible, and trying to like deal with that. He's like, I can't let anyone know that I exist. So he can't like, eat food because people see the food. They even like if he eats food, they see it going into his esophagus and like being digested and shit. So he can't even do that. So he dies in like what a week? No, he just has to like be sneaky about that shit. Hooks up with Daryl Hannah. She helps him to go to a beach place. Does a lot of Invisible Man wrapped up in rapping. Even even Chevy Chase memoirs, no. memoirs of an Invisible Woman. Mm-hmm. No. John Carpenter's memoirs of an Invisible Woman. Oh, no. uh, well, yeah, it's, it's no spooge party, but I say, uh, <laughs> I say it's worth checking out at least once. Okay. Is it as good as the Invisible Man, though? I don't know if it's as good as the Invisible Man because the Invisible Man is the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man has a few more surprises up its sleeve, and it also gets a little uh, down and dirty when it needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that I was like, "Oh, it went there." Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we, when I knew it was from the upgrade guy, like I knew the propensity for violence sure. was yes, that can be expected. Yeah, absolutely. He also, uh, with James Wan, developed Saw. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so when those things happen, you're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's that guy. Lee Hwanel, how do you say his name? W-H-A-N-L-E-L. However he pronounces it. Like flannel, Hwanel. I don't. Lee Hwanel. I'll, I'll, I'll let him pronounce it, and then I'll repeat it. Until then, I'm not saying his last name. There you go. Someone find me a YouTube interview uh, with him, but then also give me the time code of when he says his name so I don't have to search for that shit. Otherwise, we're going to have another Sierra Sharonin on our hands for a few months mm-hmm. until uh, someone helps us out. So, all right, The Invisible Woman, uh, what was its Rotten Tomat score? I mean, I have a feeling it would be pretty well-reviewed because it is like a well-made movie. It's not fantastic, but it's also not bad. I don't think it's bad. Some people probably don't uh, like 90%. it. 90%. 90% with a score of, like, what, 7? Yeah. Yeah, all critics seven point six, top critics six point nine five. Six point, oh yeah, so seven ish. Yeah, that's right. But where were you? You, you? It sounds like you're more of a six ish. I'm more like a six and a half, six six and a half. Yeah, it's like six and a half. I'd go six point seven five. 
Whereas the Lodge, for me personally, if on that scale for the Lodge, I'd go more of a 5 out of 10 right down the middle. 5 for, for goodness in in terms of filmmaking, but then it's lacking in, uh, like, what's the point of any of this? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, what is the point of any of this, Chris? You know what, though? Ain't that the truth? The the best thing that could happen to you, I think, is I have a pizza named after you or any sort of, any sort of food item. Mm. It's finally happened to me. I had a Crespo yeah. pizza named after me. You had it. I did. It was, it was very spicy. Oh, I retasted it again this morning. Oh, see, that's the thing. I All over again. I knew that was going to happen. I'd be so <laughs> scared. I'd be so scared. I can't do that no more. I ain't in college. Speaking of college. Speaking of splooge. And um, so I had to Peter. Named after Peter Ron Saborski. Two types of pork. Oh, sorry. It was delicious. Um, okay, let's get into our media diet. Smoke weed every day. Drew Chicago and I finished Last Argument of Kings by Joe Abercrombie, which, and, which means that is the end of the trilogy, of the it, first law trilogy, and, and it was great. Did it pay off? I enjoyed it extremely Did you much. get Did you get the resolutions you were looking for? Sentence. Yeah, it is very well wrapped up, i.e., can see why people like it so much and why it was like one of these titles that were popping up a lot when people were talking about books that they were reading or whatever and uh it's already over 10 years almost 15 years old this series because the first one was 2006 so i mean it's ready for somebody to make a amazon netflix shutter hulu <coughs> and, it, and it absolutely can be done There's, whatever original it, yes absolutely and it can be done on a on a game of thrones scale uh, there's a decent amount of like magic and supernatural stuff and whatnot in there, but not so much that like this is impossible to do or like the Broken Earth series. That one's gonna take a real fucking visionary to figure out how to make those descriptions of magic and the way magic works in that world, and then the shit that happens in the third book. Like I don't see how people can how you can make that visually make sense. I don't know. It's like it's wild. But this one's much more straightforward. It's more, here's just some land, all this land, but there's the north, there's the middle, there's the south, there's kingdoms. They're warring with each other. It's politics. What I liked about it over the span of three books, we're talking about about 1,500 pages worth of books, 1,600 pages. The the characters uh, really do, like, they go through huge changes. Big changes in positions of power, uh... Uh, you know, small characters become kings. Uh, uh, uh huge, huge, powerful people uh, get taken down. Uh, and then you get shown how history is a circle and all this stuff. And uh, and then the characters are like truly revealed towards the end. They got to a point where there were like two hundred pages left in the book. I was like, oh shit, I think this shit's over. And there were two hundred pages left. I was like, damn, there's it's not. There's more to go on. It was yeah, really apparently, really good. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. So, there we go. People should check out the first law. Trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. Good stuff. Um, Better Call Saul, season five, episodes one and two. Uh, They're finally tying together Saul Goodman with the whole Boyle Sermanos. The the Enterprise. It's taken forever to get him into the meth business and to actually get the Breaking Bad thing going. But they're doing it. And they're talking about more more Breaking Bad cameo-ish sort of things for this season. So see, I'm expecting uh, to see... 45-year-old, what's his name, Rabbit? What's that guy? The, uh, yeah, those exactly. Pete, all, uh, Stinky Pete. All those guys that were just in El Camino. It's like, guys, you're so, you're so they're much They're so old. <laughs> they're, they have beanies on, and they're like, what's up, bro? We're, we're even younger than we were before. No, you're not. You, know, you look terrible, guys. You look bad. 
Uh, but the show's great. I'm really enjoying Better Call Saul. Uh, new episodes on Monday? I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. I'm not sure. Um, okay, I got a podcast. I'm not in the mood. Not in the mood. I'm not in the, the type to people know to typically recommend podcasts, especially movie podcasts. You really should only be listening to one, which is this one. Bauman, of course, are other ones that are good. Um, but there is a fun one hosted by two people that I enjoy very much. And it's a fun concept. And they've done five episodes or so, six episodes so far. And I'm into it. They're doing 20 total. And it's free. It's out there. People, I check out the show Newcomers with, uh, you know, these people, Nicole Byer mm-hmm. from Nailed It, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And Lauren Lapkus, comedian who uh, does a lot of podcasting. But she was also in her biggest thing was uh, uh, Jurassic World. Okay. You only saw it once, right? I'm assuming you never went back and rewatched Jurassic World. She was one of the people in the control room with Jake jo- Jake Johnson, the nerd guy, and he was wearing a Jurassic Park shirt, and uh, and he was like, like I love you. Will you come with me? And she was like, Oh no, thank you. She was like, mm-hmm. kind of a nerd girl. That girl, Lauren Lapkus. She has like uh, some stuff on Netflix. Ah, uh, yes. She's on a show called Characters, where she did an episode of that. Um, she had a, a great podcast. I don't think she does it anymore. I'm not sure. Called uh, with special guest Lauren Lapkus. Anyway, so her Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer, both in their like early to mid thirties, have never seen Star Wars. Okay, any of the Star Wars is good for them. So they are newcomers to Star Wars. So they're going to be watching them and then talking about them. Uh, and then for each episode, they have a guest who is usually a comedian or a comedy writer who does know about Star Wars and is passionate about it to help them with it all. So they've already done uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and uh, Phantom Menace. And then uh, this week is going to be uh, Attack of the Clones. And it's a lot of fun. It's very, You know what the fun thing about it is? Star Wars, New Hope, hated it. They both hate it. Okay. They think it sucks. They're like, this is a nightmare. What what have we gotten ourselves into? Why did we agree to do this podcast? Empire Strikes Back is why. Why? <laughs> you know, but not... Yeah, they like Empire Strikes Back. They saw the difference in quality and, and acting and everything for sure. Uh... But they like the cute stuff. They like the Ewoks, oh, like Chewy. God damn it. They love Return of the Jedi. Phantom Menace, Nicole Byer, loves Jar Jar Binks. She's like, I think I have bad taste. She's like, I'm afraid I have bad taste because she loves Jar Jar Binks. You, you do. <laughs> uh, they both so far rank Star Wars New Hope at the bottom of the list, uh, below everything else. And I think they both have Jedi at the top. Um, they. It's funny. It's really funny uh, how they've come to it. And how they admit to being like, at first, like, fuck Star Wars, we don't want to be a part of this world, and we don't like the people who are in it, mm-hmm. to now they're like, they're talking to their friends about it, and they can they can do it, they're retaining yeah. information. Yeah. Uh, they're like, shit, I think we're Star Wars heads now. <laughs> this, this sucks, but we're mm-hmm. doing it, we like it. Uh, Lauren's like, I want to buy a whole bunch of merch. <laughs> she wants, she understands. She wants Yoda, in. She understands the Yoda backpacks, now she's yeah. like, now I want a Yoda backpack. Yeah. Um, but then they're like, but then why does Chewbacca have a backpack? Because no one carries Chewie in his back. It doesn't make any sense. No, no, no we yeah, don't. you guys are right. No. You guys are right. It's a lot of fun. It's a good show. Like an hour episode each. Um, not even an hour, just under an hour. Uh, so I listened to everything like one week, which over a course yeah. of a few days. It's good. Newcomers. 
Uh, and then it's like newcomers, colon Star Wars. I'm hoping then, you know. They start doing other stuff, too. Yeah, they pick something else yeah. that hopefully I'm also kind of familiar with because uh, that makes it more fun as well. Uh, oh, and Nicole Byer also, she always thought for a long time that his name was Hans Olo. Oh, no, it's Han Solo. <laughs> so uh, she prefers Hans. Hans. So he's always Hans. Hello, Hans. Hans. He's like, I like Hans. <laughs> Hans and Chewie. Um, and then The Outsider on HBO this week is very yeah. good. It was really good. It got him to a good spot where it's I, like, oh shit. I'm, fi- I'm glad we finally have like a physical manifestation of a monster. Yes. Like it's it's no longer just like this ethereal thing that maybe it's there and maybe it's not. No, no, it's here. We, we, got, we got the physical, we got the evidence of it. People touched it. It got involved. Uh, and now they find themselves like, no, we were we were with him. Here's physical evidence of him being somewhere else. Like, no, it's happening again. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's an excellent show. Uh, There's got to only be a couple episodes left, right? It should be. I, I mean, I, so we're wrapping I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't bothered looking I up. I don't know how long they're going to be dragging on this story for. I haven't, I haven't bothered looking up you episode know, it's, count. It's one of those things where, like, I feel like depending on... It just feels like it could be, like... Tied up in a nice little bow at any point in time, you know. Just yeah. like, oh, by the way, here's the solution. They could just end it. They, no. could, they could just defeat this thing and it'd be over yeah. at any point. How, or, how long it takes them for the defeat, or maybe they don't. Or, or, or I don't fucking know. Or could get away. They're like, fuck. It's just it's still out there. We'll never, we'll never yeah, defeat I it. Don't, I don't know. And they could also still be the end of the show. Yeah. Very, very 2020. A lot of despair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like the evil can never be defeated type yep. of feeling out yeah. there. Yeah. That keeps coming back around. Uh, so, yeah, about outside is very good. All right, what are you watching this week? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, or Outsider, listening to or anything. Uh, still watching Avenue 5. Still, really? You're still sticking around I mean, with it? Why not? At this point, I like, just give it the It's season. only a half hour. Most most shows these days are at least Comedy 45 minutes help. to an hour. Yeah, so that's true. This is just a nice little palate cleanser to watch from time to time. All right, fair enough. How many episodes is it? It's like five weeks, I think six weeks. So, yeah, I mean, it's been. It started the same week as The Outsider, so... In the beginning, you were very wavery on it. Is it is it getting better to a point where, like, now nah, you're understanding the characters more and the humor of it still? It's not really clicking it's just, for you? It's just still something to put on? It's just on. there. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Sure. Uh, continued with my stand-up comedies. Yes. Uh, watched uh, Tom Papa special on, HB- on Amazon. Oh, back on that Papa, huh? And then two more Gaffigans on Amazon that were different. Man, there's got to be so much Gaffigan out there because he's just I been like crushing comedy for so long. Have you? I think. There's like five or six of them at this point, right? Uh, watched the Pete Davidson special and it was not funny. The Is it the newest one? Yeah, the one on Netflix. Okay. It's not funny. But you watched the whole thing. I was hoping that it would get funny. Sure, sure. I, Gave it a shot. It's not funny. Mm. And it's all, it's really, it's not, it's not that what he's saying wasn't funny. Mm. It's just, I think he's more of a comedy writer and not a stand-up comedian. Man, that happens. Because he's got great ideas, yeah. but he cannot, like, his, do it on stage. He's got zero stage presence. It's not sucks. like it's not like Neil Brennan, who surprisingly is like really good on stage. Yeah, sure. Some people just have it that type of thing. Yeah. But then Davison, shit, he's getting that uh, goddamn. I was it called King of Staten Island movie, the Judd Apatow movie that he wrote coming out this summer. It's his, like his bridesmaids. Good for him. Yeah, but it's like so he has the charisma to be the lead in a movie. I don't know. No, I don't think he does. Well, we're gonna find out for movie wise for, for stand up comedy. It's not, uh, gonna it's not gonna be good. Blee. All right, so you're not a fan of the, the, the Pete Davidson stand up nope. comedy? Okay, okay. No spooch for him. 
Uh, also watched uh, three Daniel Sloss S- ones. L O S S. Imagine if uh, I was Scottish and uh, was a stand-up comedian. Okay. I mean, it's just like all the things that I think, all the absolutely awful, terrible mm-hmm. things that I think. Mm-hmm. He just says it all. So you're saying if, if, Scottish accent. if people want a bit of an insight into the mind of Drew Sakaiwer and they can mm-hmm. watch some of the stand-up comedy of Daniel Sloss. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this guy's saying what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the brogue. With a bit of a brogue. And, and, and he calls people cunts a lot. He's I'll, fucking I'll, cunts. I want to start using cunt more. Oh, listen, he's fucking cunts, but you got to say mm-hmm. it like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, he's fucking cunts. You think these cunts are coming over here going to drink all my sploosh? You know how long it takes me to make all these sploosh here? What the Everclear and Warfare do you want? They're fucking cunts. Uh, I, I watched the first three episodes of Hunters on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. And, well, the first one's an hour and a half, right? First one's an hour and a half. And Doing all the setup. And then they're hour-long episodes. So that's a lot, a lot of hunters. It is. You were looking forward to it. I remember you said on the show that you're, you're the marketing got you a little bit. So yes. three episodes in now, how do you feel? I mean, it's always fun killing Nazis, Chris. It is always fun killing Nazis. That is true. Uh, uh, but is it fun watching the show about it? Yes and no. I mean, all most of the stuff is almost like very Quentin Tarantino-y. Like mm-hmm. with, with like you know the pillows of blood, mm-hmm. like it's not just like a squib yeah. that's like the size of like a pen. It's yeah. like the squib the size of a fucking case of beer. Interesting. So Interesting. It, it's hyper violent. The violent is almost hilarious. Yeah, uh, wow. Was not expecting that. But but it's tempered with like a lot of flashback stuff of like. Jews in concentration camps, which is mm. fucking heavy shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No matter how you dress set up, it's <laughs> yeah. harsh. Uh-huh. So mm. it's not mm. it's it's not necessarily like a fun watch, right? But it's a good watch. Okay, okay. And it makes the violent all all the more funny when it's tempered with you know that very serious because yeah, gives uh, it a more context. Uh, yeah, because that yeah that happens. You mentioned Tarantino's funny because that does happen. With like a Django Unchained, where the the violence is so over the top, but to get there, any violence that happens towards a, a black person in that movie or any like a slave or whatever is very real and intense and not fun. But then the revenge violence is like over the top and like it's exactly the same thing in this show. Interesting. Okay. Right. Revenge fantasy. Yeah, I like. But, but it's fun. I like a revenge fantasy, <laughs> especially ones that have less rape. Yes. A lot of, a lot of rape This has involved. a lot of knife death. Knife knife death. Knife death. I can do with knife death. That's a different kind of forceful penetration mm-hmm. that visually I can get behind versus uh, a nice spit on your grave type of... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or uh, what's this other one? <sighs> Dustin Hoffman. It's Kill Me, Drew. It's your favorite movie. The one with Susan George. The dog, dog something. Not dog of the afternoon. The one where he's in the house. And he throws a hot oil on the guy's face through the... And then he puts it about bear trap on the other guy's head. Oh, oh, what was that? And then they remade it with your favorite actor, James Marsden. <laughs> did they? Yeah, they did. What a bad move that Man. was. Why am, why am I, I blanking on the title of this fucking movie? I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, tons of fun. Definitely a raping. I mean, boiling grease and bear traps. Yeah, that part is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I watched uh, two awful fantasy movies. Oh, right, let's hear them. From the past. Uh, 
I watched Seventh Son with with Jeff Bridges. That that one's it's not on HBO. That one's not too old. That's only a few years old. It is not a good movie. The yes. Seventh Son. He's like you're the Seventh Son of the Seventh Son of something he, or other. He is Marble Mouth the entire movie. What happened to him lately? I don't know. Why is he doing that now? I don't know. Oh, and Kit Harrington's in the movie too. He he dies mm-hmm. in the first five minutes. Hey, sixty-five percent death rate in his movies. Well, uh, there we go. Kit Harrington. Yeah, in the first five, first five minutes, minutes. <laughs> he dies, and then the opening credits roll. Is he the sixth son? He's a sixth son. No, I think he was a previous son. Somebody. He was just. He's the, the. He's the apprentice that had to die. So he. So Jeff Bridges could go get another apprentice. There, there you go. He's like, I gotta get back to uh, Scotland for the Game of Thrones. So yeah. Season six is still rolling. Season five. Uh, where was his? Streaming on something? HBO. That was an HBO? Mm-hmm. But not good, though. No, it was not good at all. Nothing redeeming, nothing whatsoever. There was like a good I mean, it, arm getting chopped off it with a almost, sword. It almost felt like someone either played the Witcher video game sure. or read the Witcher books, mm-hmm. but didn't want to directly reference any of it, but still really liked the idea. Interesting. That happens all the time. Yeah. Especially in fantasy. Yeah. Copy, borrow from each other. Exactly. All, all right, so, so Seven, Seven Sun, big old Jurassic Cockburn 2, middle fingers up. And then... Because uh, it, it's the opposite for him with the middle fingers. And then because I never saw it... They go up and for good, bad movies. I thought it was... I, th- I thought it would be a lot of fun. Aragon. And, and it was as delightfully campy as I thought it was going to be. Van Helsing from 2004. Oh, man. You know what... The- my one real problem with Van Helsing is true. What's that? It's too long. It is. It's like two hours and 20 no, you're minutes. Right, it is. And, and seriously, Chris, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's the worst part of the movie. He's terrible in it. I ain't going to blame him, though. It's a bad act. He, bad directing. He's directing him into a bad performance. But he, exactly. I mean, it seemed like everybody else was on this level of campiness. Yes. And then and he was, he was not. He was playing real. He's like, this, this is my... Uh, yeah. This is going to be my... Uh, like, like, like the guy who was playing Dracula knew what fucking movie he was in. That, that guy's so, <laughs> so over the top. And so even, he's all puffy looking. And even uh, Kate Beckinsale with her... Oddly Russian Transylvanian accent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're all they're all camping up. They're playing it they, up. They were. It's like they were told to do one movie, yeah. and he was told to do another. That's very true. He's like, nope. This is going to be my big uh, my big break. I'm going to be uh, many Van Helsing's. We're going to make yeah. many I of mean, these movies. Everybody's doing a serious. bad a bad accent except for Hugh Jackman. And he's just doing a bland American he's accent. Just doing, he's just doing. Fight. It is weird how he has always chosen to do that in so many movies. Uh, or just do your normal Australian accent. I mean, every, that's, that's much more exciting. Everybody's going for it in this movie. You might as well too. You might as well too. He's like, nope. I'm everything's to be grounded on me. I'm I the mean, grounded it, rock. I mean, even uh, no, even the guy who uh, played his um, like his like his, his helper mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he that motherfucker was straight out of a Monty Python movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I half expected him to throw out a backpack and chase him with coconuts <laughs> at some point. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to go fight Dracula. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting that from him. So. Uh, Van Helsing. All so right, it yeah. was it was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. See, now you got to go back to the Universal Studios Halloween, the, the horror makeup show. And then you can see some of the CGI stuff. And you can look at, like, they got some, like, busts in there of the... Um, the the bat Dracula creature type thing. Mm-hmm. And now it makes sense. Like, oh, now yeah. I get it. Yeah. It's still terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, from the director of the Mummy, Stephen Summers. Yeah, I mean, I I just want to know how the monster and hunter Daredevil. turned into a 
monster to fulfill the prophecy with the magical antidote. That's going to be answered <laughs> in the sequel, which will never happen. Those are some bad movies you watch, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Those are some bad movies. They were really awful. Those, I, I, those I, make the lodge like great. But at least looking. Van Hels at least Van Helsing made me laugh. Yeah, for sure. It is over the top enough to be like this is absurd. I just wish it was shorter. Yes, it would make it more enjoyable to put on. Two twenty is. I was like, this is a bit of a slog. All the Dracula scenes are funny with those the, the vampire ladies that oh, are screeching with him. And what was with the weird? Vampire babies that are born dead and then just hanging from the ceiling everywhere. What, what, the, what the fuck? My favorite, my favorite parts, my, my legit favorite part is the um, the Frankenstein's castle and how it yeah. it looked very like 1930s yeah. James Whale. Yeah, it did. Uh, like there's, it, it was a weird version of Frankenstein. It is weird. The, the, Frank, the Frankenstein <laughs> monster is terrible. The I did sense like an appreciation for that old 30s horror stuff in the making of it. But it's still, I oh boy. <laughs> That's funny. Van Helsing. Okay, Van Helsing. Uh, what would you rather rewatch, A Seventh Son or Van Helsing? Oh, Van Helsing all the way. Even though it's longer than The Seventh yeah. Son. Wow. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to watch Kit Harrington die again? No, I mean, uh, uh, seriously? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Bridges doing Jeff Bridges Marvel is what I meant. God damn it. Whole time. Damn it. I couldn't. I, it really bothered it me. It sucks, man. Come on, Bridges. Get it together. Get it together. Right. Right, anything else? No. That's okay. a lot of stuff. All right. <clears throat> we're going to take a break. We got a Billy D's Death of the Movies. And then we're going to read a quick email from him because he had a little message to go along with his Death of the Movies. Uh, and then uh, we have the whole second half of the show. So here we go. We're going to be right back. You guys enjoy what Bill has to say. And then, uh, you know, you know how it goes. Right, Drew? Do I? Smoke weed every day. Yeah. What's up, my dudes? The PFT party looked awesome. I gotta make it down for one of those. I saw some pretty awesome stuff and went to some pretty awesome shows since we last spoke. I caught Mr. Bungle, Torch, and today is the day. I also went to a Planet Midnight screening of Coco D Coco Da. This is a monthly series of free screenings up here, sponsored by Forbidden Planet and IFC Midnight. They show only the finest and weird cinema. The last one of these I went to was the surrealist comedy Greener Grass, which is awesome. But Coco Di Coco Da is a very different experience. It's going to get compared to Groundhog Day or Happy Death Day, and those are apt comparisons, but they only describe a mechanic that is shared by all three of these films. Coco Di Coco Da is a harrowing, weak experience that is very heavy on dread and tension. And I loved it. It had touches of Fellini and Rogue and Lynch all wrapped into one tight film. I'm really interested in where this director, Johannes Nyholm, is headed next. He seems to like making uncomfortable movies, like a Swedish Ari Aster. I also caught a movie that's been hovering around my Netflix queue for quite a while, Veronica. This is about a Spanish teenager who does a seance with her friends and it goes bad. This is not a new story, but it's refreshing to see this typically predictable narrative executed so effectively. 
I really like this. It had a neat 70s vibe with some nods to familiar horror imagery, but was set in 1991. I guess the early 90s are period pieces now. Cool. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Stay cool, Billy D. Chocolate covered cherry. Are they right here? No. <laughs> I'm good then. Okay then. Welcome back to the show. Drew Chicagoan. Chris Crespo. Online, where are you? At Antihero 419 Facebook and Instagram. Follow at Drew Chicagoan on Twitter. It's not me. They do a great job. Fuck yeah! Cinema Crespo on Instagram, Facebook, Crespo on Twitter. I am Chris Crespo on Twitter. PFT Media on Twitter. PFTmedia.com. All the good stuff. POT Media on Instagram. Um, Drew. Chris. People can send us. Uh, they can't send us. They can send us stuff. They can send us emails to Cinema Chris So they can review the show on Apple Podcasts. We finally got a new review. It's been forever. We had a review on our pot on our the most latest review on our Apple Podcast page, whatever you want to call it, it was a negative one star review. How someone said they didn't like the format of the show. Real bummer that that was there for so long. But we got a new most recent review. And I sent it to you, Drew. Mm -hmm. So why don't you go ahead and read it. It says, most definitely the best ice cup audio in the business. Great show, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Who's it it by? Uh, Scrubs 5000. What's up, Scrubs 5000? Thank you so much. Hoping you appreciate this ice audio. Mm, Ice cup. Yeah, get it, Chris. That's delicious, delicious, icy. My mouth is all frozen. Um, so you can rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It'd be so helpful. Five stars, please. If you don't mind, that'd be great. Four stars. Why do you hate us? What's going on? Why? Why? Why do you want to see us fail? Uh, Drew. Chris. People can also email us cinemacrispies.gmail.com like uh, Billy D does when he sends us his death to the movies. And then he also sends us a note such as this one. What's up, dude? What's up, Bill? Party looked fun. It would be fun to go to one and meet everyone, LOL. Jelly of the pizzas. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun. Yeah. The pizzas were good. Pizzas were good. Uh, we didn't put any jelly on them, but uh, maybe next oh, time. That'd be weird. Uh, if you can do some sort of lamb mint jelly pizza. The, the, so what, mint jelly? Gross. Have you ever had mint jelly? You it know what? foul. What the fuck, right? What's that all about? It is really gross. It's not good. We'll substitute that with uh, applesauce and pork. Okay, I'm okay with that. We'll do an applesauce pork pizza, but so-called jelly. Apple jelly. But if it's apple sauce, it's not jelly. It's a jellied sauce. We put some gelatin in the sauce. (laughs) Why is this this sauce so thick and and spoon impenetrable? Uh, It's a sauce version of splooge. We'll make something that people didn't expect and yet they can't get enough of. Um, cinema cross so gmail.com is the email. You can also read this other me. He is, uh, what did I send you another one? How, no, oh, well, then forget it. Never no, mind. Oh, but you know what we do have? Oh, shit, that was my name. 
uh, on the Facebook group. You can join our Facebook group, and we have a, a post that we put up every week now. It is our, our thread, our comment question thread, and you can use them. Uh, so we actually use, use this week, Drew. So I'm going to go ahead and pull it up here. Let's see what it says. Cinema Crespity. So it's the very top one. Uh, Gabe. Our homie Gabe. Yes. I started watching The Good Place on Netflix. I kind of knew where season one was heading. I kind of knew where season one was heading, but I kind of got season two figured out. Should I keep watching for season three? I don't know where Steve Betchy. He's our Steve re- he's our resident good place. He's watched guy. it numerous times. Of course, he would say watch it. Yeah. He's all about watching it. Uh, Kasten Sywick, uh, Trey's uh, uh, special lady friend responded, "Yes, keep watching. Only four seasons. It did just end. Okay, good place. So you could like start watching it." Knowing that it's not this thing that's going to drag out forever, that they got to a, they it's had, only four seasons. It was only four seasons. They had an end game and they got there. Uh, I've been meaning to watch it. Any TV shows like ne- uh, network type shows that you've watched in the last few years? Uh, that- I mean, the only network shows that I watch are on FX. Even then, that's not like I mean, like straight up. ABC, NBC, the homes of American Idol, and all these types of, uh, you know, the real middle of the road, CBS, uh, uh, Hawaii Five-0, no. NCIS type stuff, I mean, CSI. I mean, the closest thing to that is I watch Curse of Oak Island on History Channel. Even then, that's not, yeah. History Channel's not uh, those the networks. No. It's cable. That's cable TV. Yeah, I, I guess I don't watch network TV at I all. It's not. Anymore. There you go. I think it was developed for network TV, but I saw it, or maybe it was developed for true TV. I saw it on one of this on the cable network. Someone did a game show version of Hot Ones. Really? Yes, with the host, the same guy. Okay. But they're doing it. It's like a trivia type of game show. Yeah. But the people have there's eating hot sauce wings involved, mm. and uh, man, it was bad. <laughs> it doesn't have the same charm for. No, it was bad, bad, bad show. Not good. Carmella writes in our, uh, asking our Facebook thread here, what is your favorite pandemic movie? It's really hard to argue against 12 Monkeys. Billy D commented, I'm partial 28 days later, but 12 Monkeys is definitely part of the conversation. Carmella replied, it's weird. I don't include zombie movies in that category, even though zombies are pretty much the cover model for the pandemic. 28 yeah. Days Later or 12 Monkeys, I don't know. I mean, those two are pretty good. I mean, Outbreak's a classic. Outbreak is a classic. Contagion got a big spike in views oh. recently when the coronavirus, uh, CVID-19, uh, COVID-19, I think it was called, uh, uh, started making news and whatnot. 20 Days Later is great. I would argue that 20 Days Later not a zombie movie because they don't die. The people who no, are infected, infected yeah, they have the rage virus. Yeah, they're, they're infected zombies. Yeah. Because there's... Well, they're not zombies because they don't die. They're not yeah. undead. They're not reanimated. They they do die at the end when they starve to death. Yeah. And then they're just dead. So they're just sick people. Yeah, they're infected. Um, which is scarier because uh, zombies not real. But infected people real. Get away from you, infected people. Uh, a lot of folks buying up surgical masks to uh, try to keep themselves from getting sick. I hope those aren't like bearded dudes because it's kind of un- unproductive. Fuck even having a beard. It's more like uh, those masks aren't for keeping sickness out of your mouth. No. It's for keeping your sickness from spreading onto others. Mm-hmm. 
So if you have the coronavirus, then it's a good idea to have a mask on. But if you don't, so if you're not sick, uh, don't be an idiot. Don't be. Don't be stupid. So uh, what was the last time you even saw Contagion, Drew? I mean, it's been a long time. It's been, been a while. Um, I think I only saw it the one time in theaters. Yeah. Really. It does start with Gwyneth Paltrow getting sick from... Real, real fast. Real fast from a virus that started with uh, food bought at a market. Yep. Which is how the coronavirus, this uh, particular coronavirus, yeah. COVID-19 started. I think they traced it to a bat. Okay. So I think a bat or something. They did find the market. They figured out what market it was. Uh, anyway, go out there and get some Chinese food, people. Don't be racist. You hear about that, how people around the country, they're like not going to Chinese restaurants anymore or any sort of Asian restaurant I mean, because if, they're afraid of coronavirus? It would be one thing if you were in China. and If you're in Wuhan. If you were in Wuhan, China, no. I wouldn't be eating at the, at the fucking restaurant. I wouldn't eat anywhere. Yeah, they're not Chinese restaurants there. They're just restaurants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be eating at the restaurant in Wuhan. Yeah. But, like, here in Orlando, you're, it's cool. Guys, go to Don't worry Tuang about Lu. It. Go there. Go to Taste of Chengdu. Eat their food. Don't be idiots. Drink your stupid Corona beers, you morons. Yeah, I think that's funny that people think it comes from Corona beer. And that Corona beer is actually taking a hit market-wise because of it. Like, I just don't want to... So, it's, God, the depths of human stupidity know no bounds, I swear. Like, look, I just I just don't want to risk it. <laughs> Man, I wonder what's going to... It's gonna... close enough there, the corona. So, so, here's, corona. My, so here's my question, Chris. Mm-hmm. If the coronavirus does turn into, like, you know, the next Spanish flu, you know, the next global pandemic, mm-hmm. uh... Are the anti-vaxxers going to be against a coronavirus vaccine? Yes, because they're going to be like, coronavirus ain't real. It's a government conspiracy to vaccinate our children to give them autism so they can control us to make us Democrats to make Bernie president. I mean, that would be a good way to do it. I'm pretty sure I heard Rush Limbaugh say that exact thing like a week ago. Yeah, dude. It's alright. We're almost about to die. Uh, yeah. Thank God. Trump is out there, be all like, "It's a hoax. It's a hoax that oh the Democrats God. are doing oh to make, to bring down the stock market to make me look bad." It's bad. It's bad. Um, listen, Facebook. Just because I used Uber yesterday to get to the party doesn't mean I want to start seeing fucking ads for it. Well, in I my mean, goddamn Facebook feed. Well, Chris, you used it, and Uber really needs your money. I just wanted to be able to drive somewhere and, and drink and do some drinky drinkies. Okay, here we go. So that's it for from communiques from the Crispity So compound. I guess that's what we'll call a new. Uh, you don't know black music. You never understood black music. You couldn't handle black music. Let's see here. I have an email that I send to myself weekly with news stories. And I got actually pulled out of my uh my drafts folder. This is something that typically I do ahead of time. And will I cut all this out later? You listeners may or may not know. What? Hmm? What? What? May we or what? may we not know? What? What happened? Huh? What's going on? Chris. Shoutouts to Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, baby. We know you're going to Rikers. You're in Bellevue Hospital right now because you're a sick man. Is he out out of the hospital yet? But uh, once you get out of there, you're going to prison. Yeah. 
Enjoy that prison, Harvey. You're gonna rot in hell. You got a weirdo penis. It's scarred and disgusting as hell. Have you heard about this penis? No, I haven't. He's got a weird part of his trial was having uh, his penis described by one of mm. the uh, one of the uh, yes, imagine the jury. Mm. Um, and it is apparently a weird scarred little thing that almost looks like a vagina. And uh, and there's a question of whether uh, balls are even intact. Okay. Yeah. So that explains a lot, actually. Well, I mean, is uh, doesn't he still have that case pending in Los Angeles as well? Uh, I think he has a couple. I think he does have an L.A. case pending. Uh, Last year, Scotland Yard was still looking into him for stuff no, yeah, happening yeah. in L.A. Yeah. yeah, no, he's fucked. He's fucked. Yeah. He's fucked in a good way. Um, but he is in the hospital now. It's, 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 well, I mean, I'm sure at this point in time, he's probably just trying to figure out a way to die in the hospital as opposed to go to jail. He'd rather die in the hospital than die in jail. They do have an appeals process, and we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, dark, dark day in Hollywood. Ooh, one of the, one of their best have gone down. They're shedding many tears, crocodile tears. I don't, I don't think anybody cares. I don't think anyone gives a shit. Um, Mark Ruffalo says Kevin Feige almost left Marvel over his clash with Disney on female superhero movies, etc. This is according to Mark Ruffalo. Let's see what he says. When we did the first Avengers, Kevin Feige told me, "Listen, I might not be here tomorrow. I got to talk to Disney." Of the issue about why there are no female superhero movies. Kevin's like, Ike, meaning Ike Perlmuter, who was the, uh, at that time, Disney's largest shareholder and also in charge of like a lot of the creative stuff. He said, Ike does not believe that anyone will go to a female starring superhero movie. So if I am still here tomorrow, you know that I won that battle. Uh, since the Avengers movie came out, Ike Permuter has been pushed away from the creative side. He's now much more on the business end. The creative stuff, all that is being handled by Kevin Feige. That's why we're now getting She-Hulk and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, he had to, he, he apparently put his uh, his job on the line. Cool. For what he believed it. And it's not a social justice warrior thing where it's like representation, blah, blah. You like it to be, yeah. you know, but it's not. No. He's just being like, listen. Fifty percent of the movie go to, going Dude, audience is women. There's an untapped market is Hispa- here, guys. Yeah, thirty percent is Hispanic and black, and and yeah, we have to service them as well, and they will reward us with monies. Yes. You like monies, right? You like monies, right, Ike? You fucking idiot. But he's an old racist, uh, bigot, uh, mm. dummy. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? But Ike's gone. We don't have to worry about that. Um, Harrison Ford. Someone asked him about because he's doing the Call of the Wild press tour. Mm-hmm. Someone asked him about one of his favorite behind the scenes memories of working on the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. You know, what one of his favorite memories is taking the tape off of Carrie Fisher's tits. Yes, be like, oh, here, baby. Let me. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why they taped you up. Let me take this. Let me take this tape off. Let me take this tape off. Uh, the utter disdain of the crew was his favorite part. Cool. The complete and utter disdain that our very experienced British crew felt for what we were doing. They couldn't figure it out. Guy running around in a dog suit. and a, I'm More like Harrison Ford. Yeah. Guy running around in a dog suit. Uh, a princess. Some guy in tight pants. They couldn't figure out what we were doing, so they laughed at us constantly. Thought they were ridiculous. And we were. But we made a movie that people really enjoyed seeing. I was so. about to say, they laughed all the way to the fucking bank on that one. <laughs> George Lucas did. That's for sure. Took our one off some minutes to, to catch up. 
uh, to Lucas levels. But yeah, people, I what the fuck. Alec Guinness in the movie is like, what the fuck? He's one of those <laughs> people. He's looking at the commiserating with the crew, like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on here. I'll just do the lines and get paid. And oh, it's a worldwide hit now. I don't get it. Um, this is just a rumor. But we're throwing it out there. So we did our, and it's a nice way to tie it into our Patreon.com slash So We did a Crespediso Film School on Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things we noted, talking about all his movies and all his budgets, or how those budgets kept going up. Mm-hmm. At one point, a $4 million budget for him was like, whoa, look at all this money, right? Then the 2000s came along, everything minimum $100 million. The Irishman was just $160 million. Killers of the Flower Moon is uh, uh, DiCaprio. I think De Niro in it as well. Real story about like a Osage nation, 1920s. A bunch of oil was discovered on a reservation. And then what do you know? Just so happens after the oil was discovered and all these uh, like Osage nation folks get rich. Now they start dying one by one. Mm, oh, gee, strange. go figure. I yeah, wonder why. Figure, I wonder why. Real story. Um, the very nascent burgeoning, maybe not even officially FBI yet, FBI got on the case. It was the beginning of them. Uh, and this was one of the first things they investigated. I was about to say, the, these days they'd be like, oh, it happened on Indian land? Yeah, we don't care. That's a thing. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing anyway. They sent a couple people I mean, that up there. Sense. It would make sense. And they're like, yeah, yo, go check this out. And then we don't give a shit what happened. Just come back. Uh, speaking of banks and budgets, et cetera, et cetera, rumored that we're looking at a possible $220 million budget, Juicy Cogburn. God damn. God damn is right. That's a lot of fucking money. That's a shit ton of money for his, uh, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro uh, doing their first Scorsese movie together. Uh, rumored that because... Uh, whatever studio initially who did it is it Warner Brothers whoever initially greenlit it now they're being uh, they're balking at this uh, at this budget yeah. Scorsese is going like hey Netflix you want to pick up another uh, you want to get another Scorsese joint I mean he he won't have to worry about length at that point you either worry, you don't have to worry about length budget he'll he can do whatever he wants and then it's just uh, back to the whole issue of how can people see this in the theater no. how can that happen um, but Netflix, man, they got their, they're starting to corner the market on, on a certain type of movie, certain type of filmmaker, you know, uncut gems, uh, in America, it's the only place where it comes out in theaters, the rest of the world, it's a Netflix movie. Really? Yes. So for much of the world, like in the UK, shouts to our UK listeners, uh, Netflix just put out, uh, a Scorsese movie, a Noah Baumbach movie and a Safdie brothers movie. Yeah, I mean they're they're cornering the market on the hitting it up pretty good. Several generations of New York filmmakers there. <clears throat> Jurassic World three as a title, and it is Jurassic World colon Dominoes. Wait, no, Dominion. I thought they were already taking that pizza connection to the next level. Okay. I know, right? Sure. Who gives a shit? It's Jurassic World Requiem, and then yeah, at this point we have Jurassic World. 
Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, then Jurassic World Dominion, then Jurassic World Requiem, then Jurassic World Revolutions, and then Jurassic World Acquiescence, and then Jurassic World Evolution, Evolution, uh, Jurassic World The Evolution, uh, Jurassic World uh, Night of the Blood Moon, uh, Jurassic World uh, Search for the Hidden Flowers of the Gemstones. It's like, who gives a shit about these the titles? Jurassic Park colon the Hunt for Curly's Gold. <laughs> the uh, they are Chris Pratt of course used this reference he was like it's sort of like the Avengers of uh, Jurassic World Jurassic Park movies because they're bringing in so many characters from everything is Sam Neill coming back Sam Neill is coming is back Laura Dern coming back coming back uh, rumored that the, even the kids are coming back um, all grown up now obviously Jeff Goldblum uh Julianne Moore, maybe we got the uh, the the girl who played their daughter, the the the, the black chick. I don't know if she's going to be in it or not. Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. Samuel Jackson coming back from the dead. Ooh. Zombie Jackson? No. <laughs> Wayne Knights? No. The William H Macy survive Jurassic World three? I don't know. Um, did Taylor Leone? I think so. <laughs> they can come and, back too, and they may all very well may all be in it. That sounds awful. Along with, of course, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, etc., etc., etc. Sounds absolutely awful. June 11, 2021. Cameras are rolling on. Jurassic World. Dominoian. Dominion. Diminishing. Jeremy Sonier is the guy who did Green Room, Blue Ruin. You ever see Hold the Dark? That one with uh, Jeffrey Wright. It's a, it no. came out on Netflix. It's okay. It's okay. It's not as good as those other ones. It's still pretty good. Uh, he's working on his next one. It's called Rebel Ridge. He's got a cast. It's uh, got Don Johnson. Okay. James Badge Dale. If you saw him, it's like, oh, it's this guy. He's like a sort of a, look up James Badge Dale. I'm like, oh yeah, he's a white guy that keeps popping up and stuff. Um, James Cromwell, which is crazy, and John Boyega has signed on to the star in Rebel Ridge. Oh, that guy. That guy, James Badgedale. Uh Being described as a high-velocity thriller. This is according to Variety, and no word. I'm trying to see if it's going to be a, a Netflix movie or not. I think it is a Netflix film. Uh, because it's the last one, Hold the Dark was. Okay. So, so, so get some more Jeremy Sonny. He makes some pretty intense movies. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty intense stuff. I don't know if I'll ever make anything as good as a Blue Ruin or a Green Room. But I mean, come on. It's good enough. You ever use Tubi? No. T-U-B-I. Tubi is a free I, I know what movie it is. service. Yeah. It's one of those things where they just throw on a shit ton of ads. They got to get through the ads. Uh, Fox Corp. Right? Fox sold all their entertainment shit, but they kept... Uh, Fox News. They kept Fox News. They kept Fox Sports and Fox TV. Fox Corp wants to buy Tubi so they can get in on the whole streaming wars. So there's so there will be an actual like Fox backed uh streaming app. Okay. But that that is not the Disney stuff. That's all separate from that. The twentieth century studios, because they dropped a Fox from that. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh so you may want to get on that Tubi. Yeah, add add something add something else to the list. It's free. For now. It's free for now. Um we got this onward. Movie coming out, Pixar's onward. Oh yeah, with uh, the uh, aforementioned Chris Pratt, with the Pratt and Tom Holland uh, and the Spidey, and it's about like uh, it's a world where the, uh, they're like creatures. It's, a fa- it's basically fantasy m- creatures. Think, 
uh, imagine modern times, but with fantasy creatures. Yes. So, right. like, you're going to see, like, ogres and goblins driving trucks and yeah, like being, being stupid. Being male people. Yeah. Uh, it's like, we're going to go on a journey to find your dad or something like that. Uh, they did some screenings for it. It got decent reviews. People are saying it's not a, it's not top tier Pixar, but still, you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's like pizza. It's like even not that great Pixar, so good Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is interesting. So um, Pixar movies have a tradition of the short film that plays in front yes. of it. It's typically a Pixar short. This time around, however, the Mouse House owning so much, dipping into another IP for a short film. Drew, we are getting a Maggie Simpson-centric Simpsons short film in front of Onward. Cool. I think that's cool, too. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that more than I'm looking forward to Onward. Yeah, because I mean I don't know. It looks okay or whatever. It doesn't. It's not too exciting. Speaking of Tom Holland. Oh my God! Did you see the uh, uh, the Back to the Future deep fake? <laughs> yeah, that's a weird man. I Those had deep fakes are good. I had no idea that Robert Downey Jr. looked so much like Christopher Lloyd. Weird when you put them together like that. Is it because they do look so much alike? Is that why they I were think, able to make it work? I think that's why. Because I, I'd never put two and two together, but yeah. then like you see it, and it's like, side oh, no, it makes like sense. That. Like, they look kind of alike. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. Those deep fakes are crazy. There's the Jim Carrey as Jack Torrance in The Shining one. Have you seen that one? Yes. That's a, that's a good one, too. It's like, God damn, these are good. Have you heard of uh, thispersonisnotreal.com? No. I think that's what it is. It's uh, a website mm-hmm. that's just an auto generator. Let me see. Uh, this person does not exist. Okay. This person does not exist.com. When you go to it, it's just a picture of a person who, based on algorithms and a program or whatever, this person does not exist. This is a fake person. Goddamn. Looks like a goddamn real person to me. I mean that yeah that could be just random dude from down the street and then based on uh, on you know when then you reload it so like if you if you swipe down you know to reload it reload it a couple times you can see some different faces these are all fake uh, people randomly generated fake people and every now and then you get like an accessory like an earring or eyeglasses that are incomplete or something like that uh, but other than that, you can't tell. Other, you can't fucking tell that it's not like an amalgamation of a whole bunch of other real faces made to make one fake face that looks real, and it's fucking freaky, and it's the future that we're gonna have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's weird. Isn't that fun? Every every single one, it's like, oh my god. And then if you look at them, if you take the time to look at them, some of them like, oh yeah, there is there is a little bit of weirdness maybe in the eyes or the mouth or something. But sometimes it's like shit. How is this not a real person? That's weird. Like that just looks like a real person. Like, look at this guy. Yeah. This guy truly is running for office in, like... Uh, Delaware. Some, yeah. Yes. This guy's from fucking Delaware. <laughs> look at him. What is wonky eye? Bastard. Um, That's weird, Chris. It is weird. I gotta find my... Okay, here we go. So, uh, I, I put... Uh, I saw this on Twitter, and then I... I uh, Someone did some videos of there's a lot of people who are like in San Francisco just using their phones to shoot mm. footage of Matrix 4. Yeah. Being shot in the streets. There's like helicopters flying really low. A big explosion went off. Uh, it turns out, Drew, those explosions, all that shit caused uh, a few thousand dollars worth of damages to the uh, the signage, the businesses, glass breaking. Mm-hmm. Some business signs melted from the explosion. 
so uh, practical effects are, are alive and well. Practical effects are fun. Yes, shoutouts. About two thousand dollars worth of damages that the uh, production had to pay for. But it looked pretty cool. Yeah, that explosion looked like fun. Hopefully, they got some uh, high speed cameras and. Speaking of money, actor Steven Seagal has to pay $300,000 in fines for promoting a cryptocurrency. Cool. That's weird. I didn't know you weren't allowed to do that. Seagal agreed to give up $157,000 in ill-gotten gains and pay another $157,000 as penalty for failure to disclose payments he received for promoting an investment in an initial coin offering, an ICO, from Bitcoin to Gen. Yes. Cool. Became a brand ambassador on B2G 2018. He failed to disclose that he was promised $1 million in cash and tokens in exchange for his endorsements. Cash or, and tokens. You just gotta let people know. Just disclose that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm, a paid, I'm paid to endorse these guys. Get in on this Bitcoin 2G thing. Fool. Fool. He's trying to pocket as much cash as he can. Trying to pocket as much as he can. Now he's gotta pay a lot of money. To SEC, but you know what? You know what, Drew? What? That's just a great way to let people know that they sign up for Patreon.com. They can do our twelve months of cigar with us. That's right. March is here, Drew Cogburn, and we will be doing Marked for Death. That's one where he battles Jamaicans. Yeah. And at some point, either the very beginning of the movie or the very end of the movie, they're like only uh, like one percent of Jamaicans are actually uh, criminals. Jamaican people are lovely people. We love them. Uh, don't sue us. Cool. Something like that. So apparently they made the Jamaicans look awful. There is a... Oh, yeah. They're all drug dealers and, and, and gangbangers in this movie. Except for when they go to Jamaica and they meet like a black guy who helps them. Uh, Peter Tosh co-wrote a song with Steven Seagal. <sighs> of course. And it's in the movie. And it references Steven Seagal's character. And uh, I can't wait to rewatch that film. And then talk about it with you, Drew, for our Patreon. Where people can sign up. Patreon.com slash So. Uh, they can also follow us to all those other things that we mentioned earlier, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's it. We're done. Okay. So thank you, Drew. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for anyone who came out to the show, uh, to our uh, event. That was great. And then uh, to all you freeloaders who don't sign up for the Patreon and don't support us in any other way, you are welcome for this week's free entertainment. And do you want to add, Drew? No. Go ahead. Sing it, sing it, sing it. Sing your feelings. Reach deep down inside. Feel the melody building up inside you and just go ahead and... Trust the Cogburn. Gonna sing it now. Trust the Cogburn. I said no, dude. You didn't actually say no. I did say no. No, you're just like shaking your head. No, I said no. No. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Take this. It's a rape whistle for next time you say no and I don't listen. Uh huh. It's, it's my bad. Yeah. No means no. It does. That's my bad. That's what happens when we when we get splooge on the brain. <laughs> All right. That's it. Gotta get the splooge off the brain. We're done. Thank you, Drew. And you're welcome, everyone.
A PFT Media Production.